0: Hey guys, thanks for joining me today. My name is Joseph, and let's take a step back in time and we'll have a look at some Irish magical creatures today. So, if I were to ask you to mention some, just to get your mind flowing, what would you name, what would you think of? Would you think leprechauns? Would you think pukas? The banshee maybe? Well, let's take a look at some of these creatures this week and when you're out and about, why not see if you can see any of them? We'll kick off with leprechauns. So, what do you see in your mind's eye when you think of them? Red hair? Green suits? Black hat with a gold buckle maybe? Or maybe you don't think of any of that and all you can think of was the pot of gold at the rainbow. That's okay too. So leprechauns are probably the most easily recognisable and famous of all the creatures, but what do we actually know about them? So the first time we see anyone recording sightings of leprechauns was in the 8th century AD and it was said that a water spirit had merged or combined with a common household fairy and this created the leprechaun. Now we don't know for certain where the name came from, but there are two theories or ideas. So the first theory or idea is that the water spirits were actually called Lacharpawn, and in Irish, translated to English, this meant small body. But then the second theory is that the name came from the Irish phrase Lapergon, which means shoemaker, and these little creatures were known to cobble shoes. In fact, leprechauns are the only fairies in Ireland that make shoes because they wear their shoes out so often from all the dancing and partying that they do that they need new ones regularly. So basically then, in the early days, they wore red coats, not green. And it was only much, much later that they started wearing green. And what happened was that when they started associating the colour green with Ireland and St. Patrick, it also became connected to. The leprechauns. Okay, so leprechauns are known for being total pranksters. They love to pull jokes and tricks on people who are unlucky enough to catch them. So there are a few things that you should know, just in case you do come across one. Generally speaking, they owe us humans three wishes each when when we catch one. But here's the thing, the tricky little limps don't like to give them up easily. They like to try and fool us into either not asking for them or asking for too many, because there are some rules. First of all we can only ask for three wishes and if you push it and ask for a fourth the cheeky little imp will take everything back and you will be left with nothing. So sometimes like with King Brian in the movie Darby O'Gill and the Little People they'll trick you into making a fourth one and all they need to hear are the words I wish in your sentence and they've caught you out. But be careful with them because they love to twist your wishes so that even though they grant it you're actually worse off. There's a story about a man named Seamus and Mayo who wished to be the richest man on a beautiful island and then his wish came true. But he discovered that there were no shops, no pubs, nothing on the island to do, nowhere to spend his money and there was no one else to talk to. He was the only one there. So to make it worse then, he realised that the leprechaun didn't actually make him rich. He just took everyone else away So that he was technically the richest person on the island because he was the only person on the island with money. He was the only person on the island at all. But then Seamus got really bored and he hated being there. He hated being away from his family and his friends and he had no one to talk to and he just wanted to be able to be around people again. So he had to waste his final wish to go home and be able to return to Ireland. This is a perfect example of how leprechauns trick people so they don't end up better off than they started. They do love their crack and their keol, the fun and music, where they can hold parties that last days on end. But some people make the mistake of thinking that they like to get drunk and make fools of themselves. Now, while it's said that they do enjoy a good supper of every now and then, they don't like to get drunk the whole time. In fact, that's their cousin's. The leprechauns, who love running around Ireland at night, getting drunk and wobbling around, causing mischief wherever they go. Oh, but the one thing that a leprechaun hates more than anything is when people try and take their gold. So leprechauns are bound by what we'll call the rules of magic. And one of these rules means that they have no choice but to lead people to their pot of gold when they're caught, as a reward. But if you look away, even for a split second, they vanish and you'll likely never catch one again. So there's an old tale that goes like this. One morning, a little boy was out early herding some sheep on the slopes of nock in County Sligo because it was a lambing season. He spied a little leprechaun sitting under a white-thorn bush, sewing a shoe. The little boy crept over to where the fairy was sitting and caught him by the neck. He asked the fairy where would he get a crock of gold, but the little fairy would not tell the boy. The young lad said he would kill the fairy and the leprechaun gave in. The leprechaun said that the crock of gold was hidden under a bush over yonder. The foolish boy looked in the direction of the bush and as soon as he took his eyes off the fairy, the leprechaun disappeared. The boy was so angry for having let the fairy trick him and he went home as poor as ever. So, if you ever catch a leprechaun, you should never ever, ever look away, not even for a quick glance, because you lose your chance of getting their gold. Really, the leprechaun is a lesson on how we should be grateful for what we have, and if, for whatever reason, we want more from life, like most of us eventually do, and that's okay too, but that you should always work hard for what you want, because shortcuts and schemes won't get you far. So another type of Irish creature is a little fairy called a changeling, these are sad, cursed little creatures who were born ugly and rejected by their fairy parents. So fairies are vain and proud and obsessed with the looks. So when an ugly baby is born, they don't want them. They don't approve of ugliness. So what happens when a fairy has an ugly, screechy baby is that they swap it with a beautiful, healthy human one. The human parents are none the wiser, because it normally happens so soon after the baby was born that they never realise that their own baby was taken away to the land of the fairies and that they now have this weird little creature. So a changeling then is often left with human parents, and because they're now living in a land without magic, they feel out of sorts and abandoned, and all of this makes them hate everything around them. But some changelings aren't babies at all and are actually fairies who are hundreds or thousands of years old. And you just want to relax in the comfort of a human home and be looked after the way we look after babies. So changelings normally spend the entire day from morning to night screeching and squawking, getting very little sleep and making their parents' lives really, really difficult. But as they get older then, They just feed on the happy energy, making everyone around them feel really sad and lonely and down the whole time, and they cause bad luck and accidents. Now, most of these creatures, because they're actually fairies, don't grow properly like a human child and often appear to be very ill and sickly with wrinkled skin and long teeth and sometimes even have little beards, despite still being only a child. Well, not really, but we think they're children. But because humans never want to admit that there's magic in the world, well, adults don't anyway, they ignore the obvious signs that this is a changeling and not their real child. This always ends up with people being unhappy and the changeling making everyone's lives awful. It's said that there's a way to prove whether or not the baby is a real human baby or a changeling. So fairies learn to speak very young and are very curious and like to ask lots of questions. And they love to see what's going on around them. But at the same age, human babies can't speak yet. And so the trick is to force the fairy to talk. So there's an old Irish tale that says if you brew a dozen eggshells close by the baby's cot... If they're a human baby, they'll just do normal baby things like goo goo gaga. But if you're unlucky enough to have a changeling in the cot, they'll get curious as to why you're doing something so odd, like brewing eggshells. And they'll start asking questions, giving themselves away immediately. So you might be wondering what happens to the kids, the human kids, who are taken by the fairies. Well, fear not. Because they have amazing lives, full of fun, magic and love. Now the moral of the legend of the changelings here is that beauty should not be more important than love. That we should appreciate everyone for who they are, regardless of what they look like. A creature not so full of love and fun is the puka. A puka is a shape-shifting creature. This means that he can change what kind of form or shape he appears in. They can look like horses, goats, cats, dogs, hares. They can bring very good luck or very bad luck to people, depending on their mood. So normally when they appear as a horse, they're bringing bad luck and troubles to people they encounter. But they're not evil. That's important to remember. Pookas like to give people a horse ride going very fast and very wild, giving the person the scare of their life, but they'd never actually hurt them. They think it's a bit of fun. Sometimes Pookas can appear to look like a normal human, either a grown-up or a child, but they will always have an animal feature of some sort that will give them away. So they could have animal ears or a tail or maybe even hooves and when they appear in animal form, they can still speak like a human. W.B. Yeats, an old Irish author and poet, once translated a story from an old Irish book that said a man was walking home one night after playing the bagpipes in a local pub. He could only play one song, so he was driving everyone crazy in the pub. He was a bit tipsy and so was taken by total surprise when something came up behind him. It was Pooka. He was in the form of a bull and so had long horns and he flung the man up onto his back and the Pooka warned the man to hold on tight or he'd fall and hurt himself and they'd damage his pipes. The Pooka demanded the man play him the song, Van Vucht, but the piper didn't know this and the Pooka kept demanding it. With the powerful magic of the Pooka, the man found he could magically play the song perfectly with no problems and was amazed by the pooka. but now he grew afraid of where they were going. The pooka told the piper that they were going to the top of Crokepatrick in County Mayo to go to a party being held at a banshee's house. The pooka moved so fast through the fields the piper felt like he was flying. Once they got there, the piper was put in charge of playing music for the party and so a great night of music and fun was had by all. At the end of the night when the party was over, they paid him in gold coins and they told him that he was now the best piper in Ireland and would know all the songs that people wanted played. The man was delighted and he couldn't wait to get home and tell his mother. His mother didn't believe him until she saw the gold coins but warned him not to start playing the pipes again or he'd wake the neighbours. She sent him to bed and told him to be more sensible in the morning. When he woke the next morning, he decided to treat his mother to a new song. One that she picked. After all, the pooka told him he's the best piper in Ireland now. When he started playing, the piper heard the most beautiful, peaceful music he had ever heard. And was so proud of himself for being the one to create this music. His mother, however... Heard nothing but screeching geese and roared at him to stop. But he kept going. It was so loud and so awful that the farmyard animals outside all started reacting to the noise and before long the whole village was wide awake because it was terrible playing. The puka had tricked him and he was only the best piper in Ireland in his head. Okay, so... The last one then is the banshee. So I've mentioned her already today. And basically the banshee comes from the Irish word bansheeda, which translates as fairy woman. She's what we call an omen of death. An omen means sign. So really the banshee is basically a sign that someone's going to die soon. But there's no need to fear her. So, she often appears as a green ghostly woman, wailing and crying, letting certain families know that death is close. She only appears to five main clans, which means families, and these are the O'Neills, the O'Briens, the O'Connors, the O'Grady's and the Cavanagh's. She gives three days warning to these five families, giving people a chance to say goodbye to their family members. Now, it's also thought that she appears to anyone whose surname begins with Mac, like Macdonald or McDermott. So, what's the banshee look like? Well, as he said, she can appear as a green ghostly woman wailing and crying. Sometimes she appears as a normal woman wearing a cloak. Other times she's f- more of a frightening figure with evil red eyes and long white hair. And then sometimes she's just covered top to toe with a black dress and a veil over her eyes. She's usually crying and singing a beautiful but very sad song, something that she hopes is comforting to those she visits. Something to know though is that the banshee herself doesn't hurt anyone. She's just a warning so there's nothing to fear from her. And most importantly, just remember that if the idea of the banshee does scare you, that if you're not part of the five families and your surname doesn't begin with Mac, then you'll never see her and you're safe. But really, the legend of the banshee is more than likely based on the banquina from the medieval period. So, this term banquina translates literally to crying women. And these crying women, also called keeners, were singers at funerals and would sing beautiful ballads at the gravesite. They would be dressed all in black and wear veils covering their heads and faces and would cry and sing at all the funerals and would be professional mourners. This means they would be the ones who were paid to sit by the gravesite so that everyone was guaranteed to have someone miss them at their funeral. The Banshee, it seems, were either what these women turned into in the afterlife or a legend based on these women. So... I just want to thank you for joining me today. And if you enjoyed listening, make sure to catch next time. We'll be taking a little bit of a turn. And instead of looking at some old stories, we'll take a look at how do we learn our stories? How do we learn our past? Where do we get it from? Who gives it to us? We're going to take a look at some paleontologists, some archaeologists and even some historians. And we'll just take a look and see where to go from there. Thanks a million. Have a good weekend. Bye-bye.